Hallelujah. Let's turn real quick in the word of God to Matthew, the 11th chapter. I just got to get my flow for a minute. Is that all right? Y'all just help me. I got to get into the flow. Matthew 11. We're going to talk about identity. Because if you don't know who you are, then you're going to misappropriate every moment that you are afforded. If you don't understand who you are in Jesus Christ, then you won't understand why you're alive in the earth. And you'll squander your purpose. And so we're going to delve into this message. I believe that it is something that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me for quite some time about uh, levels of understanding that we need to walk in so that we can appropriate and facilitate God's plan for our lives. Matthew, the 11th chapter, beginning at verse 12. I'm going to be teaching tonight. Somebody say teaching. I might get a little bit excited, but you all are mature enough to not need emotional stimulation to stay awake or to enjoy a message. Hallelujah. Because of the time that we are in now, uh, our lives are in the balance. Our lives are at stake. And so it is really important that we recognize that and that we are walking circumspectly. Matthew, the 11th chapter and um, verse 12 says something really powerful. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, somebody say until now, the kingdom of heaven does what? It suffers violence and the what? So if the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence and the violent are taking by force, number one, it means that this war is being fought in a realm that we can't see. Let that sink in. So while we are concerned and befuddled and confused about things that are going around our lives in the realm that we can see, there is an invisible war that is taking place in the realm that we cannot see that is determining the outcome of everything that deals with our lives. Somebody say the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence and the violent are doing what? So then that means that there's two kinds of people. There's the violent and then there's the person that the violent are taking. And you have to know which one you're going to be. You have to know which one you're going to be. You can't be passive. You can't be haphazard. You can't be, uh, what is one of my good words, ambivalent concerning where we are. You've got to be violent. Somebody say violent. violent. We're dealing with the conquest of kingdoms. There is a kingdom called heaven. Somebody say the kingdom of heaven. But there is also the kingdom of darkness. And these kingdoms are at war with each other. And we are the prized possession that are in the middle of the war which means that we get to determine which kingdom gets to win. Somebody say amen. amen. Matthew 13, you don't got to turn to this really quickly, says that there are different kinds of soils, Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9, that determine the receptivity, the adaptability, and the productivity of the word of God in the life of the hearer. So it means that if we are going to be successful we have to determine what type of soil we're going to be. Because if we're the wrong kind of soil, we can hear the right word and still wind up in destruction. Because we have not cultivated our ground. Let's turn to it real quick. Matthew 13. I'm trying to get to a certain place, but I'm just going to uh, 
Let me hit this right quick. Matthew 13 and beginning at verse 1. It says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. We know metaphorically that wherever he sits down, it means that the work is finished and accomplished. A great multitude were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. Somebody say wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. Somebody say thorns. And the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others still fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. Jump down to 18, and then he explains it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, somebody say the word of the kingdom. That's different than the message of salvation. So it's important that we recognize that as kingdom citizens, that it is the message of the kingdom that has to be preached before the end can come. The message of salvation is God's appeal to humanity to draw mankind into repentance. Somebody say salvation. But it is not until we begin to hear and appropriate the message of the kingdom that we begin to shift the time and the seasons of God that can bring the fulfillment of his purpose into full manifestation. Somebody say there's a shift from the message of salvation to the message of the kingdom. Can I tell you that we don't hear the message of the kingdom preached? If you turn on evangelical TV, I don't care what channel it is, you might hear the message of salvation. You just might because there's not much of salvation being preached anymore. But we don't hear the message of the kingdom because we're listening to preachers that don't have understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom. How can you explain something that you've not gained entry in? Oh, y'all not going to like it. And I just got to be me. God help me tonight. I'm loaded. Huh? How can you preach something that you've never seen? How can you explain something that you have never experienced? And so we have a generation of church people that have never stepped foot into the kingdom. Huh? They understand the protocol of church. They understand the religiosity of church. But when it comes to recognizing who God is as the sovereign and as the king and as the Lord, it's a level of understanding that they've never even stepped into. Somebody say the message of the kingdom. The message of the kingdom is not just your pet peeve scriptures about how God is about to bless you and how good you're about to be. The first thing that we have to understand about the message of the kingdom is that it is a message of his superiority and your call to death. It's not going to be popular. I see. Huh? The first thing we have to understand about the message of the kingdom is that we are entreating a king. And the protocols that we have to deal with in dealing with the king, the message of salvation did not show us that because the message of salvation only shows us that he died for us. But the message of the kingdom shows us where we have to come into alignment now with the plan. 
with the agenda. Because a king only knows one thing, and that's sovereignty. The king only knows dominion. The king only knows, knows rulership. Somebody say the message of the kingdom. So he says that anyone who hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes. Interestingly enough, the enemy is not around when the message of salvation is preached. So he's not going to mess with the church that preaches salvation because he can't do nothing about the lamb being slain from the foundation of the world. It's not until the message of the kingdom is preached that warfare is instigated. So if you're going to sit under a kingdom mandate, are you prepared for war? Come on, y'all, because you can't be a passive Christian that says, oh, it seems like as soon as I start walking for the Lord, all hell's going to break loose. Now I'm going to go back to the club. You missed it because the enemy's warfare is only instigated when you are making strides towards God's real purpose. You can't give up at the sight of something not going your way. You can't have a spiritual temper tantrum because things are not happening in the way that you designed for them to happen. The subjects of the kingdom, the citizens of the kingdom only know one will and that's the will of the king. Huh? The kingdom mentality says, God, I'm going through hell. Now show me the grace and the power that you've given me to make it all the way through. It's the passive evangelical mindset that says, all oh, hell must have broke loose. I must be at the wrong church. I, I didn't go through this much at my last ministry. I must, I need to go tiptoe back over there. Not recognizing that the word says it's not until the message of the kingdom is preached that the devil shows up. So what does that tell us? That says everywhere the message of the kingdom is preached, Satan is right there present. That means he's in the room tonight. With one assignment. And it's to steal the implanting of the message of the kingdom. Huh? Your church will be full in this generation if you preach a whole bunch of mess, a whole bunch of secular humanism, a whole bunch of worldly philosophies. Your church will be full if you allow the devil to parade in the midst of the worship of the saints. It's not until you bring kingdom governance in order that stuff starts to look a little interesting. Now, all of a sudden, the witches that have been quiet in your church want to act up. Huh? It's not till you start to preach the kingdom. Because when you preach the message of the kingdom, Pastor Autumn, then it exposes the people that are in the wrong kingdom. See, you were flying under the radar as long as we were dancing. Let me get back to the scripture. This ain't in the notes. Huh? When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, that means the word of the kingdom has to be explained. It has to be revealed. Oh, I'm the church. You are? With no understanding. It's not about the four walls. It's me and Jesus. And how, when the last time he came down to teach you something? Huh? When, when's the last time he pulled up a chair at the, at the table and said, let me break bread with you? Huh? When we deal with the Macedonian call, watch this. The angels that appear couldn't even preach the message of salvation. They said, inquire of a man on the street called straight. 
He'll tell you what you got to do. The angelic visitation said, let me point you to somebody that's been anointed to preach salvation. I know y'all don't like it because the generation is trying to do away with the church, but not on my watch. And I don't care if I got to pastor five people, then I'm a pastor five people and we're going to believe the Bible till we all dead. You can't get this by yourself in your house. You can't get God's governance being a self-pastored individual. No authority over your head. No jurisdiction over your head. The Bible says it's an accursed thing when men get to do what seems right in your own eyes all the time. No checks and balances. Nobody to pull your coattail. Nobody to say you're out of order. You're heading for destruction. You and your church self outside of the four walls. And I'm preaching it like this and I got to back up and teach it. But some of that spirit is in the atmosphere. Because some of y'all believe it like that. But we don't got to be in the church. I'm just submitted to Jesus. Oh, you are? Every cult leader said they were submitted to just Jesus too. It's the spirit of disorder. It's the wrong kingdom. Huh? It's not until you begin to look at the Luciferian agenda that you recognize how satanic it is to be so far out of order. In the presence of the sovereign God, watching his order from eternity into time, and you have an idea that it ought to be another way. Where are we at? He says, anyone hears the word of the kingdom, doesn't understand it. Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown. Watch this. The devil will snatch out the word that you didn't even understand. This isn't the word that they meditated on. This isn't the word that they studied. This is the word that they were scratching their head while they heard it. The Bible says he comes and snatches that word away. This is he who received the seed by the what? The wayside. Take an assessment. Huh? How, how, how much uh, does the word of God have an impact on your person? Come on, y'all. Let, let's, you've been in church your whole life, or at least half of it. Some of y'all longer than that. You'll get it next week. How much does the word have an impact? How many times do you hear something in the word that says, let me make an adjustment? Somebody says it's the soil. All right? Watch this. He says, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. These are the ones that run around the church dray. They say, that's my word. Shakatea, he's about to do it for me. Huh? They receive it with joy, but they have no root. It endures only for a while, but then when tribulation or persecution arises, watch this, because of the word. It's not a coincidence. It's not haphazard. 
The Bible is saying the word that you receive has persecution attached to it, but these people can't handle the persecution. What if the word that God releases to catapult you into destiny has 10 years worth of a fight attached to it? Can you still receive the word? What if the word of the Lord that God sent to you upsets your entire life as it is right now? Cancels your plans? Changes your agenda? Can you still, come on kingdom people, still receive the engrafted word? That's going to bring everything into alignment that's in disorder in your life. Because a real word from God is not coming to pat you on the back or tickle your fancy. The real word is coming to make your heart conducive to what God needs in the earth. There's persecution that's coming because of the word. But these people have no root. What does it mean? It means that they're not prepared for tribulation. They're not prepared for persecution. They're not prepared to go through. So these are people that have a shallow existence. As long as everything is hunky-dory, they're good. As long as it's working out according to their expectation, they're all right. But the second trouble comes, these are the backsliders, the perpetual backsliders. You can find them at the bar every six months or so. Some a little shorter. Because they don't have enough root in them to sustain them in tribulation. Are we in the Bible? Watch this. It says, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Somebody say, check your, soil. check your soil. Can I just, can I, can I help you, you for a minute? Some of the headaches we have in church leadership is trying to get people to live according to a system that some of them don't even have the soil for. They don't have, it's, it's not about capacity. It's not about will. It's not about intention. It's not about desire. It's about dirt. What kind of dirt you got in your life? What kind of experience have you been through to cultivate and to irrigate and to prepare the soil of your life for the real weight and implanting of God. See, that's the, the struggle is seeing more for people than they've been processed themselves. See, we can prophesy day and night, but if your dirt ain't never been turned over, that word ain't going nowhere but to be snatched up by the enemy. So we need, some, we need some cultivating dirt people. I'm almost done, I think. Help me. Ah, yeah. Tribulation, persecution comes because of the word immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed amongst the thorns. Somebody say thorns. This is he who hears the word in the cares of this world. Listen to this because y'all not going to like it. The Bible says to do what? Pastor Autumn, seek ye first what? 
Seek ye first what? Salvation. Church. Platform. Your moment. Your gift. Your, y'all getting quieter and quieter and quieter. Your ministry. Your anointing. Your moment. Your wealth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means justice. It means doing what is right. It means being rightly aligned. The word righteousness there is really a legal term. It means that which is right, that which is justified. It's not really a morality word like some people tend to think, but it means to do what is right. Somebody say do what's right. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and then what? What happens? All of these things are what? So you mean to tell me that if I have the right alignment with the kingdom, if I have the right alignment with God's righteousness, that every single thing that's supposed to come to me is going to come to me. And it's going to be added to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's got to come back to me. So then why are we so tripped up seeking things? If the words, see, and, and, and we got to take for granted that people that come to church habitually and are members of the church and serve in the church and are present in the church, we have to take for granted that they actually believe the Bible. Because I, <laughs> I find too often we really don't. We really don't. We really don't. Because if we believed it, then that's how we would live it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything is added to. That means I never have to be tripped up or deceived by the pursuit of stuff. That means that I can allow stuff to take me out of alignment with kingdom. I can't, y'all see, it got quiet. Y'all clapped a minute ago, but it got, I can't allow people to take me out of alignment with kingdom. Because anything that comes to take me out of alignment with kingdom, then it has to come from the wrong kingdom. Because everything in God's kingdom is according to his order and his governance and his, there's no mishap in his kingdom. He had one mishap, his name was Lucifer, and he fell like lightning out of it. So then the mature mind says, then let me now make sure that all of my pursuits are in alignment with his righteousness and his kingdom. Because then everything else just, so then now I got to deal with the haters that spend their whole life looking for stuff because they're going to hate me because I'm not looking for stuff, but stuff keeps coming to me. Y'all not saying this. Stuff keeps gravitating to me. Doors keep opening that I'm not even looking for or knocking on. Opportunities keep being afforded to me. Why? Because I'm not even looking in this realm. I got my heart fixed on heaven above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm looking to be aligned with the kingdom. So I don't got to worry about stuff. How you get that promotion? Because I wasn't looking for it. I was busy with the work of the kingdom. 
Every time I turn around, you getting a check. I'm over here struggling because you don't tithe. You don't live according to kingdom principle. Don't hate me because the word works. I got to wake up the kingdom in you so that you will not take your seats, not afraid to identify with the king in the kingdom. You can't be afraid to be a tither. Thinking you got to hold on your little hundred dollars. What you got? I can't. My coffee costs more than a hundred dollars a month. Coffee at Starbucks, if you get a grande hot soy white chocolate mocha, going to cost you about seven bucks. You do the math. Because depending on how long you're going to work while you're there, you might have one when you're coming in and one when you're going out. But we can't tithe 100 because we swear God can't bless us. We swear God can't be trusted. And then we wonder, come on, y'all, I got to drive the devil out. Then we wonder why season after season, we cannot step into the blessing when it keeps being prophesied. Why? Because you don't have the right dirt that's cultivated to receive the blessing. The blessing is hovering over your head. It just can't land because you're not ready. He that cometh to God must believe that one that he is, but then that he is a rewarder of them that diligently dare go seeking again because if I seek him, he's going to bless me. If I seek the kingdom, everything's got to come. It doesn't matter how you look at it. God's math is greater than your arithmetic. Put the kingdom first and you're going to be blessed beyond measure. But you can't be afraid to put the kingdom first. I think we get to the next verse. But he who received, oh, no, no, no. He who received the seed among the thorns, he hears the word, cares of the world. Watch this. And the deceitfulness of what? Of riches. At least, even though, watch this, even though the deceitfulness of riches stole the word from them, at least they were there to hear it. Some people are so deceived by riches that they ain't never in the place to hear the word because they're seeking riches. We don't got to do attendance, huh? We don't got to do attendance. Tell me to keep going. Tell, okay, keep going. Keep, keep, keep about to teach. Teach about. Huh? You can't be afraid, beloved. Listen, listen. You can't be afraid to trust God with your economy. You can't be afraid. Listen to me. Look at this. You don't have to compromise. Y'all hear me? You don't have to compromise. You don't. You don't have to compromise in your pursuit trying to put some money in your, in your pocket. I guarantee you, anything that you pursue 
over alignment with the king in the kingdom is going to be blown away. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. You ever had that testimony? You didn't tithe, and then your, all your tires got to be replaced all of a sudden, and they was fine as long as you was tithing, bald and all. Them tires was bald, baby. You were skidding on the hot, regular pavement, skidding down the street, but you could drive it. The moment you don't tithe, even your spare tire got to be replaced. You got to go get the thing out the, out the trunk. You got to trust God with your economy, beloved. Come on, y'all. Please hear me. Please hear me. Because it only takes a moment for God to breathe on it for it to bless you. You don't think whether or not you tithe comes up in the courts of heaven when they're trying to determine who's going to get promoted? Yeah, I know that there are people more qualified than you, but you're a tither. And you have a covenant right. I know there are people that are more educated than you, but you're a tither and a praiser. Yeah, see, y'all, yeah. he said if you bring the tithe into the what? So that there's what? Where? In his house, not your house. Don't worry about how God eat his meat. You just make sure there's meat on the table in his house. He said he would rebuke the what? For whose sake? Not his sake. He don't got nothing to prove to the, de the devourer already knows he's defeated. As far as God is concerned, he's got to make the devil behave in your life so that you understand that he can make the devourer behave. He will do what? That means when the devourer comes to show up to eat your harvest, God himself will smack the snot out of him. For trying to come again, y'all don't hear it the way that I hear it. Trying to come against you, a tithe payer, a praiser, a faithful son and daughter of God. God looks at him and says, how dare you touch the Lord. Touch not my anointed. God will drag the, I'm talking about drag him through that, that basketball court at 3 o'clock on the last day of school when they've been wanting to fight you all year and they finally got you and they drag y'all know what I'm some of y'all done been dragged and some of y'all done drugged but y'all know what I mean that last day of school God will come down there and smack the, the snot out of the enemy for trying to touch you because you seek the kingdom but when you seek riches he ain't got nothing to, he ain't got nothing to defend you with because you only get to reap the harvest of the seed that you sow. So when you put stuff before the kingdom, then you're saying, God, I got more confidence in the failing economy of my nation in a trillion dollar deficit than I do in you. Y'all, can we stop being, can we stop being schizophrenic Christians? Can we stop acting like God doesn't have a heart and a soul and like he doesn't have a mind? You know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. Some of us are so used to dysfunction and abuse that we think we can be dysfunctional and abusive to God and get away with it because we think he can handle it. Do you know if we half-heartedly serve him, do you know that he knows that? 
Do you know that if we live, now listen, this is not, I don't preach condemnation. I preach the truth. You want to know why? Because it has to come to me before it can come through me. So I'm held to the same, actually a stricter standard, to be honest, because I stand here and preach it. My judgment is higher than your judgment, unless you are also a preacher. That's what the Bible says, right? But I preach the truth because I got to get convicted by the same truth. Huh? So sometimes I'll preach to myself to deliver myself. So don't think I'm beating you up. I'm beating me up first. So either we both getting beat or I done got beat and it's your turn. Either way, truth is going to come out of this pulpit. I done lost my point, Bonaparte. Somebody say the truth. It's coming out of this pulpit. All right, let me go back to this. Somebody say, seek the kingdom first. You can trust God with everything that he's entrusted to you. You can trust him with it. Y'all listen to me. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to be fearful. I know where I'm going. I got it back. I done caught it. Caught it. We got to get delivered from being schizophrenic, fake Christians. And when I say we, I don't mean we. I mean we. The generation, the world. The, as if God is not aware that we don't really seek to please him. What am I saying? I'm not saying just go live like the world or go live like the devil. I'm saying recognize that if you do live like the devil and the world and you can hear the word, that means you have space to repent. You got space to get it right. You got space to turn it around. You could have messed up right before you came in here. I only got one amen, but it should have been at least five more. But if you're here and you're breathing, you have space to say, God, uh-uh, pull that out of me. Deliver me from that. Heal me from that. Change my mind. Come on. You got space. Come on. Come on. The Bible says none of us have resisted to the point of bloodshed and striving against sin. Ain't none of us lost no blood trying to live holy. But we can try. God, I just can't help it. When's the last time you, you starved yourself and went on a fast for three days, which I can't help it? Because if you get in a good fast, you ain't going to want nothing. I mean, when you really get into a fast, I'm not talking about you, we fasting. Oh, here y'all go. We, we doing Daniel's fast, and you've been eating ice cream, popsicles, and Kool-Aid. Not even real juice. Kool-Aid. Talking about you fasting at 12 noon. And you've been slurping and sucking and drinking. <laughs> you ain't fasting, beloved. Talking about I'm fasting social media. You don't need to be up there. No way. That ain't no fast. I'm talking about when you really get into a fast. The Bible talks about it in Isaiah where it says, where you begin to afflict your soul. And you put your body through the process of shutting down. I mean, physiologically, you enter into a fast, you lose desire. See, ain't enough of y'all nodding because that means y'all never did it. You start to lose that, that impetus and that drive. You think that you can't help that, baby, that go out the window. And you feel your spirit open up. 
and you feel closeness to God. And if you get, I'm telling you, you get connected enough, you won't want to back up off of it because you're like, God, I didn't know you was this real. God, I didn't know that I could really feel you like this. And once you get, it can become addictive because you want to stay in his presence. This is what the Bible says, that if you walk in the, uh, in the spirit, you cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh because you can't. They're at war with one another. You got to choose. And so if your life is showing us that you're more worldly and fleshly, it means you don't ever walk in the spirit. You ain't never in the spirit. Being in the spirit ain't speaking in tongues trying to impress church people that don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. You got to walk in the spirit before the true and living God. You got to fear the one who can put your body and soul in hell's fire. That's what the scripture says. So I don't preach judgment. I don't preach a word of judgment. Y'all know that. Everybody's welcome in this church. Want to know why? Because everybody already here. Everybody already here. So just because your everybody look different than our everybody, that don't mean we're going to make fun of you and, and ostracize you. It may not look like you, but it's in here. So we're not going to be hypocritical. Come on, y'all. Let's get the, let's let another level of truth hit the house. We come in here, but sit under the word enough and let the word pierce your heart and change your soil so that you can find out that you can taste and see that the Lord, he truly is good. He's better than that sin that you think has got you tripped up. He really can deliver. See, that's another thing. We don't play church so long that we don't believe in the power of God to deliver. But there is an anointing that can destroy the yoke. Maybe you haven't experienced it yet, but it still exists. Get up under it long enough to see whether or not your yoke will be destroyed. So I don't ever, watch this, and y'all don't ever have to, don't ever, all kinds of people walk through these. Don't, y'all don't got to mistreat nobody. Don't look at nobody funny. Huh? Let them be whatever they're going to be. Because you never know. While you sit up there judging them, God might judge your heart as being critical and judgmental and they might not even lift up their head beating their breast saying Lord have mercy on me a sinner and they might make it in justified oh y'all don't know that scripture and you might walk away from that same altar condemned gonna tell God how much you fast and pray and how much you give to the poor but the sinner had enough sense to say God I can't even lift up my head in your temple but I'm here have mercy oh come on I feel something pushing have mercy upon me Jesus' biggest antagonists were the religious elite they long flowing robes you saw them coming in the middle look at the prophetess Oh, here comes the priest. That's what you did when you looked at them. And they were so blinded that they didn't recognize that the God that they called themselves serving was in their midst. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let me finish the scripture. I got, oh, Jesus, help me. This is not, I'm not even supposed to be parked here. But he who received the seed, I guess I'll stop. Received the seed on the good ground 
is he who hears the word. Say, God, give me ears to hear. And understands it. Say, give me a heart of understanding. And who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. That means in order for you to reproduce what the word is intending to produce in your life, you got to have the right stuff. You got to yield to the right process of God to cultivate who you're supposed to be. This is not, I didn't even get to the message yet. I'm just going to stop. What time, what time church starts? Seven. How long have I been up here? Forty-two? I've been preaching for 42 minutes. Goodness gracious. Can't get there. <laughs> no, I took my time. That's what I did. We're in a shift, y'all. There's so much. This is so packed. So I guess I'll, I'll finish it on Sunday. Right? We're not going to miss it. That's my prophetic statement. We're not going to miss it. But my fear is that some are going to miss it. We've been in church for a long time, y'all. We've been in here tonight for a long time. Long enough for us to have heard something to pierce our heart. It's not enough to go through the routines. It's not enough. Not enough to look like it, dress like it, act like it, and not really be about it. It's not good enough to have a title, a position, a spot, a mic, but have the wrong dirt. Everything that God does, he does it by his word. So imagine, imagine this. Imagine having all of that external stuff right. But the word itself has no place to land in you. Imagine. Never missing a rehearsal. Always being on time. Team lead always can rely on you. Pastor always can rely on you. Saints always know you're going to be right there. But the sovereign's word can't even land because you got stony ground. He's after reproducing. He's after fruit. He's after effectiveness now. And we've all been ineffective, non-productive. We all have at some point. We've all fallen short of the glory. Sinned and fallen short of the glory. That's two. That's twofold. You didn't just miss the glory, you sinned. We all have done it. We've been somewhere where God says you missed the mark. We've been somewhere where we were just about to step over into a glorious manifestation and we missed it. But the kicker is we're not supposed to stay there. We're not supposed to stay. How, would, how can you stay perpetually in a missed season? 
in a missed place. That's like falling on ice and never getting up. Next winter we come down, you still out there in front of the welfare office, done slipped. I'm funny. I think I'm a comedian. <laughs> I think I am. You next next winter. They just pulled the, the trucks out to plow the snow. First day, and here you are, still there. Oop, I've fallen and I can't get up. How many seasons, listen y'all, how many seasons are you going to stay in a fallen condition? I know it's not easy. I can't say it's the easiest thing. But it's the necessary thing to get up and to stay up. To get up and do what? And stay up. Stop giving yourself permission to fall. And you'll stop falling. Stop giving yourself permission to miss the mark. And you'll stop missing the mark. See, when you recognize how great this salvation is, that he really forgave us. And he's not holding anything against us. And he's washed us in his blood. And he's filled us with his spirit. And he has communion and fellowship with us. And we're accepted in the beloved. And we can enter into the holiest of all through the blood of the... When you really start to think and meditate upon what this salvation really accomplishes for us, it'll change you. It'll make you change your circle. It'll make you change your relationships and your desires. You'll mature, you'll grow, you'll shift, you'll evolve. It's the hour that we're in. This, is, this message is going to get much heavier. So I got to deal with some significant satanic ploys that have been instituted against the church, against the kingdom. Got to hit it, you know. We're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. It's 822, I want to end. I feel like we should pray. Holy Spirit, who are you praying for today? Who are you praying for? Where's those intercessors? <clears throat> who are you all? Let's pray. There's warfare that comes. Wait a minute. There's persecution that comes because of the word. You got to be prepared for all of that. See, they're ready to minister. I said, pray. Everybody got a mask. Got on their prayer prayer mantle I want us to pray come on intercessors just start praying